0: Hey, it's Keith. If you're a lover of audio drama like I am, you need to know about the Apollo app. Apollo is designed around audio drama, so finding your next story is easy. You can always listen through Apollo for free, but there's also the Apollo Plus subscription. With it, you get ad-free listening, exclusives, and other bonus content for over 40 shows. And 70% of the revenue on Apollo Plus goes to those creators. Join Apollo Plus through the Apollo Podcasts app or apollopods.com. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of a podcast about audio drama and the creative process. I'm W. Keith Tins, writer and podcaster, creator of The Book of Constellations. In this show, I listen to the first episode of an audio drama then have a discussion with the creators about the show, their methods, their struggles, and successes. Today, we're discussing the first episode of Out of the Ashes. I assure
1: you, They exist.
0: Out of the Ashes is an epic horror fantasy created by Vincent C. Davis. The story takes place after a science experiment gone wrong causes the Yellowstone supervolcano to erupt and plunges the world into darkness. And then, all the mythical creatures we thought were just stories appear in the wake of the disaster. Monsters are real. The shadows can hurt you. Magic is everywhere. Out of the Ashes explores this world through the experiences of a group that must learn to navigate this new world or be lost to it. Davis wrote a series of prologue episodes that introduced the characters and set up the world, the first three of which will form our discussion. I spoke to Vincent remotely from his home in Camden, Delaware. Tell me a little bit about yourself as an artist and how you came to make Out of the Ashes.
1: I got my start as a theater major, actually, at Clark Atlanta University. And from there, I did a bunch of musicals. I actually started musicals back in high school and just wanted to keep it going because I enjoyed it so much. And from there, went to college, uh, majored in theater. And then before I got in college, the way that Out of the Ashes started is there was a writing competition for a scholarship. And I wrote the ending because it was a short story. I wrote the ending for Out of the Ashes for that scholarship.
0: So a background in theater. Why did you want to get into audio drama?
1: I got into screenplays and I started writing scripts. And so I wrote like two or three scripts. I was doing plays at the time and I really wanted to get into movies. But, you know, it's so hard with everything, trying to get into movies and TV shows and all of that. And I had these scripts just sitting there. And then eventually I listened to my first audio drama, which was We're Alive. Mm hmm. After I listened to that, you know, a lot of people have that thought, well, I can do this. Like I have this script just sitting here. So um, after I listened to it, then I had that thought and I was like, you know what, this would actually be a lot easier to do do than you know the whole movie aspect and still trying to you know get it out there as far as like getting agents and all that other stuff yeah and i the medium was a little for i thought just a little bit easier to go for because you know you have creative control when you continue to do what it is you want to do with that so oh yeah yeah
0: it's a a lower bar of entry you know
1: yes exactly right
0: um and because you do retain uh, You're on creative control and you don't have to answer to a studio. I mean, you don't get studio money either. But.
1: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, I, is, that definitely does uh, hinder some things when moving forward. But yeah. <laughs>
0: tell me about Out of the Ashes what the story means to you. Tell me about it in your own
1: words. So one of the biggest things for me is that whenever I read lore or something from around the world, I got this big book of mythology, a couple of them actually. Then also I was like an avid watcher of like Supernatural, the TV show. And so from... Doing all of that and reading all of that and watching that show, for me, Out of the Ashes kind of like fills a void that I wanted from the show. Uh, I wanted there to be more of a a world aspect to it so for me out of the ashes scratches that itch for me as far as like bringing in the lore from all around the world and bringing it together and showing that you know out, out from all of these stories there's some sort of truth to it but what if from instead of the story that we know this happened
0: you do have a lot of different supernatural elements We don't really get a taste of that until the fourth episode of the prologue, where Dr. Walters encounters a poltergeist. But we
1: got poltergeists, and
0: I I think you've got
1: vampires? Yep, the military people encounter the vampires. Well, everybody has their own stories, uh, what they encounter first. The military people encounter the vampires. David and Chris and his friends and his family, they encounter the werewolves. And of course, like Dr. Walters, like you said, has the poltergeist going on with it. Yeah, that's
0: really an interesting approach. Do you bring in mythology and creatures from other cultures?
1: Yeah. So this season, the the season finale, there'll be something from other from another culture, and then season three, it really has a ramp up with being in a different country.
0: I'm I'm curious. You said it, this scratches your itch in terms of the epic scale, right? Yeah. Of, of what you're doing. Uh, what is it about monsters and the supernatural that appeals to you?
1: I I enjoy the stories for the most part. Whenever I hear about something new and I read the story, then I always wonder. Like I said before, I always hear there's a a grain of truth in every story. It always uh, sparks my interest to know, well, what is the grain of truth in this story? Like, (laughs) where did this story originate from? One of the, the the major things that happens with me whenever I hear about one of these stories, eventually I always have like this weird dream about it. And it's weird because, you know, a lot of people, when they have a dream, they'll wake up and it's just kind of like out of their head. They forgot it. And I always remember exactly what happened down to the smallest details. Yeah. You
0: said that Out of the Ashes
1: came from a dream? Yeah, Out of the Ashes um, did come from a dream. When I originally wrote it, uh, I had this recurring dream about my mother, actually. (laughs) One day I would wake up, I would hear something in the kitchen and I would get up, walk down the stairs, and I I could hear the eerie music. And as I'm walking down the stairs and this music is going, I go into the kitchen and I see my mom behind the counter. And when I call out her name, nothing happens. And eventually she would look up at me. I wouldn't feel something like I actually felt something in my body that made me realize this wasn't her. Then I would have to run away. But every once in a while, she would catch me and I would get electrocuted and I could feel the shock running through my body. When I originally wrote the story, that was the ending. Now, that's not the ending to this series. But, yeah, that, that was the original ending of it.
0: You call it an epic on your website. And yeah. yeah, epic stories are stories that take place over time. Either the main character or characters, they go through a series of trials and events, usually to sort of reveal who they truly are. So then we've got a, a series of characters that you write, and we meet them in the prologue. It's Dr. Walters, Dave Rockwell, and then Tanya. We have shifting perspectives. We have uh, events unfolding over a long period of time. I mean, this definitely is epic in that sense. I'm thinking of, like, The Stand or I'm thinking of Walking Dead, or or Dune, you know, something like that. What attracts you to this epic style?
1: I think you said it best. Uh, It's like an overtime type of thing, and it reveals different personalities and different things that happen within people. And as the story unfolds with Out of the Ashes, we'll actually see more of different personalities uh, being revealed with a lot of people within the story. Each season brings on a lot more characters, a lot of different people that reveal different things about the main group of people within the story. The thing that really attracts me to it is just the the idea of all of this lore and the trials that everybody has to go through to stop what's really going on. You could have
0: written a story... That takes place in the same thing, but kept it to one perspective, right? But you chose instead to sh- to shift across these different perspectives. That's kind of a challenge, right? That's
1: It is, so, yes. It definitely is. You
0: must really find something valuable in that perspective to set yourself up like that. What, what drew you to that particular kind of writing?
1: I really like the idea of telling the story from... It's like a world thing. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to bring in like different lures from around the world, but everybody's going to have a different perspective of what each lure is and how they approach each thing. Yeah. And so when I did start writing this full-on story, I wanted it to showcase not just one perspective, but the, the, the fact that there could be someone that is a medium. Somebody else could have like a pyrokinetic ability like Danny in the story, or someone else could have uh, a skeptic personality and don't believe any of it and continually <laughs> just say, oh, this isn't real. I wanted to make sure that I had a way to touch on all of that. (laughs) Like you said, it is definitely difficult. I bet. Uh, Because when I'm writing the script, I am, when I write it and I'm writing a interaction between different people, I have to put myself in not just their personality, but in like a dark space to understand how they're reacting and what they're going to say to these different things.
0: I think it's also a challenging from a writing standpoint, just from keeping all the storylines, you know, together and keeping them organized. I'm also thinking like that's a lot of different characters to cast and a lot of different actors to work with. Exactly. Uh, How do you approach those challenges?
1: So I didn't have any background in audio drama or anything else like that. The first go at it was difficult, but now during this season, I got this. Big board that I have a bunch of thumbtacks on with papers sticking up in it. When I'm writing the the season, I will do like a murder board, I guess some people (laughs) call it, where I have everything up there. And then once all of that is done and the season's written, I take it all down and then I put up everybody's characters or different scenes up there so that way I know what I've gotten so far, who what else I need from other people or anything else like that. So that way I try to stay as organized as possible.
0: Well, let's see, you've got plans for several seasons, right?
1: Yeah, so I have plans for at least six seasons. Wow. Mm-hmm. How is it working with actors? I assume you're working remotely. Yes. It, it's been a, a challenge uh, just because, you know, uh, with the pandemic going on, everybody has lives, continuing their lives and work and all that. So I just try to work ahead. So whenever I need something or we're on like episode nine right now, I try to be done episode 11. So that way I can finish, get started on other things. But yeah, it's definitely been a challenge. I know with the next season with the new characters that I have, i'm trying to get more of local actors in order to be able to control more things as far as like the sound and everybody having like the same sound quality. you do a voice in in the show yeah, so I play uh David in yeah. the show
0: we meet him in the prologue he's a businessman he's got a wife and child. We meet him just after some sort of big presentation, and then the eruption of the Supervolcano.
1: Oh, come on! Get moving! Hello? Hey, are you okay? Yes, we're fine. Oh, that's good.
0: What should we be doing right now? I've looked up the effects of the supervolcano eruption and it's
1: not good. We prepared for this for years. Just go down to the bunker. Hold up there until I get home. I won't be long. Babe, babe, what's all that noise? I can hardly hear you. Lena, get in the bunker now. I just watched two tornadoes forming in the street.
0: But apparently he's prepared because he and his family have a bunker.
1: So he was like a doomsday prepper before everything happened. Since he was like a high-level executive before he was able to afford a lot of things, and a lot of people thought he was crazy beforehand, but now he's like super prepared for everything. So.
0: We also meet Dr. Walters. I mentioned her before. Um, yes. She is the lead scientist of Project Tempestas which is yes. which we don't know much about, at least in the prologue, but we know that it involves some sort of satellite. It's the satellite that causes the eruption and causes the monsters to appear. She is opposed to the, the satellite. She knows it's dangerous and she's trying to do her best to stop it, but it's out of her hands and it's too late. But then after the eruption, she is on the road trying to figure out a way to, to help um, make things right. I guess. Yes. It has been decided that Project Tempest will go online today at midday, despite your request.
1: What? General, I strongly recommend that you reconsider.
0: Why is that? You said it yourself. The project is going remarkably well, right?
1: Right. It has been, but there are contingencies that have not been tested, and a machine with potentially catastrophic results should not be rushed into.
0: Doctor, you estimated three years for project completion, and after many requests for extensions, we gave you five. The satellite will go online today, and if we come across any problems, you will just have to fix them as we go.
1: Just fix as we go? You talk as if this is just a car that may need minor repairs. This is a complex piece of machinery that is going to control nature itself.
0: This is not up for debate.
1: I will not turn this satellite on. Who's the voice actor on that? Claire Doden, and she was actually one of the chari- one of the main characters in We're Alive. So when she actually contacted me asking to be a part of the cast, I was, like, elated at that Every- point.
0: <laughs> so we meet her, and then we also meet Tanya, who is a reporter. She's with her crew out at Yellowstone, who's reporting on some events that are happening out there just prior to the eruption but she says that she's psychic and that she senses that there's a bad thing about to happen mm. and the crew manages to narrowly escape uh, just as the eruption goes off.
1: Okay, pack it up. When the first flight out of here.
0: Um, don't you want to try and get an interview with one of the scientists? No. Or some footage of what they're doing in the tents? No,
1: I have a bad feeling. I'm picking up on some energy that's not right. We need to leave this place as soon as possible.
0: Oh, so more of your psychic magic ESP stuff.
1: Call it what you want.
0: You know Bill isn't going to like this.
1: It's us I'm worried about right now.
0: A couple of questions about this. These three characters, I assume, become sort of pivotal in the main storyline, and this is your way to introduce them?
1: Yeah, so. Dr. Walters, as far as Tempestus goes, and it's funny because Tempestus is actually a god or harbinger of weather. Mm -hmm. So that's why uh, Tempestus was named, the project was named that. She later on in the story gets exposed to poltergeists, but then we find out something special about her in the first episode of season two. And then Tanya, uh, yeah, she has like a psychic moment. She feels things, but then we find out that there's more to her in season two as well. So she's not mm-hmm. just psychic, but there's way more to her. And then uh, David, we won't really find too much more about him and his background until way later in the series.
0: Are the characters then, they are also starting to manifest special abilities or magic or
1: psychic? Yes. Many of the people in the main group do have an ability or a heritage that provides them with something to help in the overarching storyline in the final fight of the series.
0: You you did like seven prologue episodes. Tell me about your decision to start with kind of a zero episode thing before you launch into the main storyline itself.
1: I really wanted to do that to tell everyone's story before they came together as a group to get into the fight of the overarching story. I felt like hmm. it was... The best way to do it. So that way, everybody could feel some sort of uh, emotional connection to each one of the characters. We
0: definitely do get a, a good sense of who these three people are. Someone said that you redid the first episodes.
1: When uh, I first put it out, there was a lot wrong with it. Like I said, I had no background in anything. The pacing needed to be corrected. The music, the sound was kind of like off. I had to pretty much go back and redo everything. How did you react
0: to that process? How did you feel about that?
1: You know, at first I was a little hurt, but then I sat and I thought about it and I was like, you know what? I'm not really surprised about it. So I I really just sat down. I went to the library, got some books on sound engineering, (laughs) watched a lot of YouTube. I learned a lot.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it's a learning process for all of us, right? Especially in the indie space. There's stuff that I had no clue about when I was starting out. And so I was, I had to learn a lot. So it was watching YouTube videos and asking questions. And yeah. Figuring it out. But I think that's, that's actually kind of nice about this space too, is that if you make a mistake or if you learn something or you think I can do this better and I want to do it better now. Yeah. You can go back and you can make those changes. You can, you know, you can, you can fix them. And that takes some stamina. It takes exactly some, some it takes some focus to be willing to go back and say, I'm going to redo this and then actually follow through. So good on you for that.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.
0: How has the show evolved and changed since the beginning? Not just the very first ones, but even these first episodes that you've redone.
1: I can say they've grown in the sense that I've actually been growing. Like been, I've actually been learning so much more about myself and how to actually mm-hmm. put together these stories and make it sound cohesive as an audio drama. Since the the first episodes, uh, even now, whenever I listen to them, I'm like, "Ah, I wish I would have like written more here and had them say more or do more right here." But I think it's it's good and, and well, in my eyes, I think it's good to kind of just leave it the way it is because it shows that growth. Yeah, uh, especially now with the writing and how everything is going now, it shows that growth and people can kind of like grow with you and see the changes that you've made. So now um, whenever I write, I write more than what I actually need. So that way, uh, when I do go to editing, I'll be like, you know what? No, nah, this doesn't sound right. I'm glad I'm able to just cut this out instead of being and then saying instead of saying, oh, I actually need this now. So and then going back and having them re-record.
0: You got a grant to do some of this.
1: Yes. Show. The grant was through the uh, Delaware Division of the Arts, where the state I live in. When I applied and and got it, it was in the middle of the pandemic. So when they told me about it and why they were giving it to me, they said it was a great medium since uh, no one could go to theaters at Hmm. this point. When they got it to me, that was a huge help because I really wanted to start paying the actors. Uh, Yeah, Uh,
0: that's you know, that's actually pretty smart because I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm wrong here, but I don't know that a lot of people consider Grant's as a way yeah. of money for doing this you know we think patreon and crowdfunding and things like that mm-hmm. um, yeah
1: i've actually i think I, I told someone about it that was asking me about it one of my coworkers workers was asking because they was thinking about starting an audio drama i was telling them that you know grants are a great way especially with the division of the arts and wherever you're at and this goes for anybody wherever you're at the division of the arts wherever you are uh they have money that they're willing to, like, give out to people to do things like this. Whatever artistic outlet is out there, they're always looking for something new. So it's a good thing to try.
0: Well, I mean, theaters do it, right? So Yeah, exactly. What do you struggle with, artistically speaking?
1: Well, two things. One is uh, I actually started trying to create my own sound effects mm, yeah. because there's always something new that I need to try to do with uh, the sound and the soundscape and get, trying to get people into the story. But luckily I have friends who are in the music industry and they are continually giving me things because they, they love the story. So they're continually giving me things to help me out with that. And then the second thing is perfectionism. (laughs) I, uh, whenever I'm working on an episode, I tend to be such a perfectionist. I almost don't want to be putting out the episodes because I'm like, ah, this doesn't sound right or this doesn't work well or something like that. And uh, eventually I just have to tell myself, hey, it's fine. It sounds good. Put it out. It's OK.
0: That could be a never ending. Exactly. Uh, yeah. because you know, It's always something to improve.
1: Exactly. Yes. You know? Yes. I listened to it probably about 40 times before I put it out there. And after a while, I I just get tired. (laughs) I'm I'm tired of listening to it. So I'm like, you know what? It's fine now. There's nothing else I can really do. Uh,
0: I can relate to that. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't think of myself as a perfectionist, but I do like there's certain things that I'm like, okay, I don't have to nail everything perfect, but they're like, I need these things to be perfect. Yes. And and I listen to my own stuff a lot. And I listen to it after I publish it a lot because I'm still like, wait a minute. It's out there or then someone will say something about one of my episodes and i will like i need to listen to that because I yeah. uh what they're talking about but yeah at some point you just got to say yeah it's fine
1: yeah, uh, yeah yeah and that's i i have to do that to myself a lot because like i said so many different things in these new episodes that it's just like all right, this it it gives the the atmosphere that I want. It's not going to be the greatest thing because I don't have all of the professional sound equipment and all of that. So just put it out.
0: How do you measure success?
1: You know, when I first started, I, I guess I did what it, like everybody or a lot of people do is the numbers, right? Yeah, yeah. always looking at the numbers. But now. It's it's more so a feeling like I've gone more internally with my success. Like if I am happy with what I'm putting out there, then I feel like I'm successful. And then if there are people out there who are interacting with me and saying that they are enjoying the show, that just makes it even better. Yeah. Now, every once in a while, I still look at the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Now, as long as I'm happy with it and I'm telling the story that I want to tell, the episodes sound good to me, then i that's how I feel like I've become successful with it.
0: you got seasons coming. You've got a lot of storylines. You've got shifting characters and shifting perspectives. You've got actors to work with. That's a lot of work.
1: Yes. Um, yes.
0: Tell me, what keeps you motivated? What keeps you coming back?
1: I... Thoroughly enjoy writing, and I didn't realize that how much I enjoyed it until I got the notebook with this story in it. Because the that notebook had, I think it was like seven stories in it that I wrote, and the the whole notebook was filled with these stories. Once I started writing the script for Out of the Ashes, uh, I realized how much I enjoyed it, like going to these different worlds and writing these different personalities and telling these different stories and bringing it all together for one whole story, even though it's so many different people. I I think that really is what keeps me motivated. Just the idea of being able to share this with the world. Whenever I have a conversation with my wife about the world and what we're here for, it's oh, it always comes to that fact that everybody's here for something. Mm-hmm. And I feel like one of the things that I'm here for is to be able to tell the stories that I have. I just got to a message from someone on Instagram who said they found me from some website and was just praising the story and saying how much they loved it. And they can't wait to hear what happens uh, with the story and stuff. And so just, again, interacting with everyone and, and learning about so many other things that are out there. Because, you know, the most fun I've been having is learning about This whole world of audio drama and all of these different stories that are out there and all of the creators that are out there, it's so much more fun when you can interact with other people that are doing the same thing that you're doing.
0: What the hell was that? Oh... Look out the starboard window. What's going on? Where's that giant cloud coming from? I think Yellowstone just erupted. Brace yourselves. It's about to get rough. Out of the Ashes' epic scale and ambitious storytelling will resonate with fans of shows like Supernatural or The Walking Dead. Davis is also attempting to explore the common elements of human mythology, borrowing freely from fable and story to find out what scares us. You can listen to Out of the Ashes on most major podcast platforms or see our show notes for more information. The first episode of is written and produced by W. Keith Timms. All opinions expressed in this show belong to the people who express them and not necessarily to anyone else. The theme song is Mockingbird by David Mumford. The show's webpage is thefirstepisodeof.com. If you're an audio drama creator and would like to be on the show, send an email to thefirstepisodeof at gmail.com. If you like down-to-earth sci-fi audio drama, check out my show, The Book of Constellations, wherever you get your podcasts. Keep telling stories. It's the only way we're going to get out of this mess. Until next time. I know you got questions about him. Where did he come from? How did he do all those things they say he did? Was he a terrorist? Was he crazy? Was his skin really blue? Well, I'll tell you what I know. I was there with him, driving through the back roads under the stars. I was witness to wonders and miracles, and to the darkness that's coursing through the veins of our country. He came to fight it in his own strange way, but no one leaves that fight unchanged. Not even Rael. People ought to know the truth. And I was there. The Book of Constellations is a down-to-earth sci-fi road trip. It's audio fiction, and you can find episodes at bookofconstellations.com or wherever you get your podcasts.